0: craft beer radio presents the 2012 Sabre salons for a fifth year we recorded the salons at Sabre. this year there were 18 in all six educational salons and 12 private tasting salons you can find all the saver podcasts including the ones from the past five years on our website at craftbeerradio.com private tasting salon yes we can 21st amendment avery and skull brewing discuss the use of cans for their breweries
1: Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to Yes We Can. My name is Bradley Latham. I'm the event coordinator for the Brewers Association. Uh, we're the organizers of Savor as well as the Great American Beer Festival. And just a couple of quick things. Please be sure you turn off your cell phones before we start. Greatly appreciate that. Um, I'd also like to say thank you to all of our supporters, especially the Rays Beverage Group, who's our host supporter for the event. And um, all of this seminar as well as the rest are available at craftbeerradio.com. So if you'd like to go back and listen to this one, or hear some of the other ones you missed. And then I would like to introduce our three distinguished gentlemen on the panel this evening. We have Mr. Ted Whitney from Avery Brewing Company in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> Mr. Dave Tiddeau from Ska Brewing Company in Durango, Colorado. And Mr. Sean Solio O'Sullivan from 21st Amendment in San Francisco. So we're going to get these guys to talk to you about canning their beers, putting craft beer in a can. And so I think we might start out with the first beer. Go ahead and get them a, a sample. So we're going to start out with Dave's beer, the ESB from Ska.
2: But this, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, this beer, we, we kind of we tried to find a good order here. This was the first, first beer we started canning um, nine years ago, actually. And uh, we were right on the heels of... Of Oscar Blues canning Dale's Pale Ale and we had just bought a new bottling line at the time. We thought the canning thing was pretty novel and uh, the whole idea was I wish we would have jumped at it before those guys because I think we might have gotten a phone call and the idea just before that but we didn't want to cannibalize our bottle thing and it was just it seemed crazy and uh, so this beer, we decided what we wanted to do, not knowing what would happen with the market or anything, was come out with a beer that was middle of the road, just a delicious. It's basically a, a, an English bitter. It's a, it's pretty mild, uh, which is why we're starting with it. Um, so easy drinking, medium body, medium hopped, um, British bitter beer, and uh, and it. And it, it served the purpose. We didn't make a big splash with it at all. In fact, it, you know, a lot of people think we just started canning even though it was that long ago. And uh, so really that's that's kind of the story behind this beer. We didn't know if like, we were afraid of hoppy beer, that people would think that, the, that bitterness was like a metallic taste. You kind of get with... With certain hops at a certain point in their life, you kind of can get a, a taste that could be misconstrued as metallic and uh we just, we were afraid of that, we were afraid, so we just made a, we were, we were not like Oscar Blues, which sucks because we're not like that, <laughs> you know? But nonetheless, so that was the only beer we, we canned until 2008, and so that's what you're drinking right now, our special ESB. And it's done really, really
0: well for us, so.
1: Yeah, so how long have you guys been canning? I'll go through and say how long you guys have been canning your beers.
0: It's just been about a month, no. we. we <laughs> We started about uh, five years ago. Uh, we had a little two-head canning device. We got it from uh, from Cass Brewing Systems, It's kind of like the premier entry-level equipment that was available for us at the time. It kicked out a whopping like uh, 17 cases an hour in a little 500 square foot brewery there in San Francisco, um, and it was like milking a cow. You had these like two fillers, and then you had like the seamer going on, and uh, yeah. So the first two beers we started off with were just beers. We just called literally watermelon wheat. And IPA, and, that, and then from there we've you know, taken it to a whole other level. So, yeah, so about six years ago. <clears throat> we've been canning for about two
3: years. Uh, we can four flavors: uh, we can our Joe's Pilsner, our IPA, White
1: Rascal, and Ellie's Brown. And so, you guys, Thank you. <laughs> you guys do bottles and can. How much of your business is in cans?
3: Uh, we got to about 20% of our total sales in cans. When we started canning, we bought a, a cast five-head filler. We, we figured that was going to do the trick for us. Uh, we never wanted cans to be much more than maybe 3% of our total business. But before we installed the first five-head stiller, uh, five-head canner or, or seamer, it was, uh, it was completely obsolete. Uh, we've gone up to 10 heads. Um, that's already pretty much totally maxed out. Uh, and cans comprise about 20% of our total production.
1: How about you, Dave?
2: It's, we we kind of had the same idea when we started. 70% of what we do now. So, yeah, it's just completely taking over the brewery. And, uh, and we love it. I mean, it's, the reason we started doing it was, other than just it, it seemed like a funny, crazy thing at the time, but it's, it's because we do a lot. We live in Durango, Colorado, and it's just an outdoorsy town. We ride bikes, and we hike, and we backpack, and it just seemed like a really good type of package to do all the stuff that we just did outside of the brewery. So it was an extension of our lifestyle. And
0: uh... Yep, John Hammond. <laughs> okay. Uh, we, uh, so we, we were, uh, Oscar Blues was the impetus in a lot of ways for us to get, him. by the way, I'm the only guy who got the memo, by the way, to wear the suit and tie. I mean, come <laughs> on here, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Extensive emails back and forth of how we we're going to do this, and apparently I'm the, t- <laughs> is it? Psych. Uh we uh, <laughs> we uh, where was I going with this um, so we first we first started like I said about six years ago and, um, and we we had planned, we never planned to go into bottles. We, we drank the Kool-Aid completely with uh, the cans. Um, I went out to Oscar Blues, uh, which was sort of the impetus, I think, for all of us to get involved in the canned craft beer world, and uh, saw what they were doing, and I had to tell people I was struck by lightning that day, and came back and told my business partner, the other owner of the 21A, uh, Nico Freccia, I said, I got an idea. Uh, let's put our beer in cans. And he said, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. And literally, uh, but then we looked into it, and, you know, like uh, we've all talked about, I'm sure, extensively, is that it's better for the beer, it's better for you to know, you recycle it, uh, and, uh, the, the shelf stability is greater, you can take up places you can't take cans, all those things really were. And and, and the other thing is that uh, craft brewers had never really owned this package. It had been owned by the big breweries. And when we first started uh, putting it in uh, beer and cans, there was a little bit of pushback on it because people's first beers were probably a bad beer. It probably came in a can, we just have this saying actually where bad beer' is bad beer, but pa- uh, canned beer is just a package and so it took a little bit of education to kind of turn people around uh, we as you know, a lot of taste taste tests have been done comparing bottles to cans, you know blind taste tests, and there's really you can't there's it's undetectable and so uh, we, uh, we, we we chewed on that real hard at first, and we never uh, we never look back so Yeah, we, uh, we, we, we like to say we have three sizes of cans. We have a 12 ounce can, a five gallon can, and a 15 and a half gallon can. So it's all cans. So, yeah.
1: Ted, what did you, how about yourself? When you guys first started canning, was there like a stigma about putting your beers in can, or did the public take to it?
3: It, it was something that we, we thought about. Uh, one of the reasons that we started canning, we got that little five head filler, and we figured it was going to be a very small amount of total production was um, that we we really wanted this to be uh, a portable package for people in Colorado. So when you're doing a 14er, when you're floating a river, when you're out in the backcountry, you have something that's really easy to tote with you, an easy way to bring your favorite beer out there. Um, But we never expected that it was going to be a major thing for us. It became a major thing very, very quickly, and it's not just because of the portability. What we ended up noticing was that in our our 10, 30, 60, 90, and 120-day taste tests, uh, hot box, cold boxed, wherever the beer was, the beer was noticeably fresher in cans. So um, getting that idea across to consumers has kind of been a, uh, well, it's been a very important thing for, for me, for all my sales guys. Um, there has been a stigma that we had to break down. You know, a lot of people have been trained that sub-premium beers are always going to be available in cans. Uh, a lot of people say that there's always a flavor associated with cans. So much of it is just that you need to smell the beer, you need to get it out of the can and into a glass. But the actual beer is superior to what you're going to find in almost any other package. You know, It's a tremendously good package for beer. It's just a matter of how you're experiencing it. And that's incumbent on all of us to educate the consumer in such a way that they understand the
1: beer's fresher. You just need to drink it the right way. So let's go ahead with a second beer. And is that the watermelon? That makes sense to everybody? I was a little bit vague. The the aperture is smaller. You're not
3: going to smell all of it. Um, One thing we talk about a lot at work is that uh, a lot of what you're smelling in the beer when you're drinking it out of a can is the actual lid. There is an aroma associated with the outside of the lid. There's no um, coating on the outside of that. So you're going to smell the aluminum out there. Um, Inside of the can is a very inert environment for the beer to live in. It's just a matter of getting the beer out of that can into a vessel where you can actually smell it, really appreciate the aromas, appreciate everything that's going on, especially with these more flavorful styles that we, we all produce.
1: So, Sean, this is your beer. Tell us about your watermelon wheat.
0: Um, excuse me. Um, yeah, so this is called Heller High Watermelon uh, Wheat Beer. It's an American style wheat beer that we brew with actually real watermelon juice. Um, People's kind of initial reaction to this is watermelon beer, huh? Um, uh, their expectation initially is that it's going to be sweet and kind of like a Jolly Rancher. But we actually use we use the watermelon. It is a fermentable sugar, and it does ferment out. This beer uh, was first brewed uh, by Nico as a home brewer, uh, probably about what was it like 15 years ago in San Francisco. And when we first started doing this, we would literally, uh, i call it meeting the the watermelon. We would have it be a stack of uh, cases of watermelon, we'd cut them up and puree them and we would add it to the beer. Uh, Now we've got a more defined process of using it where we use actually a juice supplier. Um, But it was interesting because when we first started making this beer at the pub 12 years ago, uh, Nico said to me, Sean, why do you brew the water? And I said, like, nobody's going to drink that crap. I and mean, it was just literally like, and then I just spot, surprised him the second year and and made it. And the funny thing was, because there was a little bit of pushback on this beer, because it is a fruit beer, and the, back then the craft beer drinker wasn't so into fruit beers, and you would have like, uh, at the pub, you'd have like these Big, burly beer guys who, you know, and your Imperial stouts and their double IPAs, and they would literally come up and whisper to me in my ear, say, Sean, sure, I just want to let you know, I look like you're really, 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 like, you're totally fine. It's going to be fine. We're going to talk about this. And, you know, and so now it's amazing because you come to our little pub on 2nd Street and you get a prisoner glass of this with a slice of watermelon on the side, and it's just, It's just a quintessential summer in a can. That was a total marketing run, by the way. (laughs) So it's just really easy drinking. It's about 5.2% alcohol. And uh, it's uh, now our summer seasonal beer. We were selling this beer actually year-round, and then we discovered we started going into other states like uh, Minnesota and up in the northeast. Nobody really wants to drink a water beer in the middle of uh, winter, so we've pulled it back to a summer seasonal. So I hope you enjoy it. How much watermelon do you use in the batch? I can't tell you that, Bradley. <laughs> when we would make this, uh, we'd make little 12-barrel batches at our pub in San Francisco. Uh, it was about 400 pounds of watermelon. So um, yeah, was, uh, yeah, 12 barrels, so. Are you, are you cutting that yourself? What's that? Are you, do, are you cutting all that up yourself? I was totally doing it myself, so yeah. <laughs> so now we make a, what's that? samurai sword, a little like Roboku kind of thing, and then it was a lot of fun. Actually, I love watermelon, I still love watermelon, so. We actually made a watermelon beer one
2: time, and uh, (laughs) (laughs) it sucked compared to
3: this. (laughs) (laughs) We've never dabbled in watermelon. (laughs) This is great, though.
4: Thank
3: you. You know, one thing I wanted to mention earlier, Uh, and I I think you touched on it a little bit, is one of the battles that we all face with with craft beer inside of cans is breaking down people's preconceived notions. And and I think I I touched on it a touch before, but I really like to talk about it. It's so important. You know, all of us carry this tremendous amount of baggage with us all the time um, with our expectations. And and to drop those expectations and start to forget about, well, what we want to have happen and just experience what's actually happening is so important to all of craft beer and, you know, all of life in general. I wanna bring that up real quick. I've got no other segue for it. It's about as far as it goes. Hopefully everybody nods.
4: What kind of of feedback do you guys get from consumers when you first put a certain beer in a can? Like do you get people like, you know, writing in brewery or going, is it is the beer different? Or
3: what (laughs) is
4: I mean, what did you get
3: from that? I mean, you know, for the most part, with uh, we, we, we packaged four beers. One beer was brand new, and it's only available in cans. That's our Joe's Premium American Pilsner. Sorry I didn't bring it tonight, but you can try it. It's available in D.C. Um, the other three beers have been available in glass for a long time, and we were kind of worried about that, that people would think there was a different recipe or a different beer available in that package. Um, For the most part, the feedback we got was a big write on, like, hey, thanks so much for making this available in a a very portable package. Really dig the quality, dig what's going on. I only had one guy absolutely freak out by email. He's just furious, (laughs) like, I can't believe you would do this to your beer. This is unacceptable. I will only drink your beer on draft. And I was like, well, dude, just like you said, it's a 15 gallon can. It's basically the same stuff going on inside there chemically the same there's there's no different process happening Uh, invited him up to the tap room and actually like six months later he came up to the tap room and called me out like old school west style Ted whitney come out of the office uh we came out we did a blind tasting can versus draft and he picked wrong every single time it was awesome (laughs) i was scared shitless it was so
1: bad sorry So do you guys get pictures from fans of your beers, like, where they take their their cans? Because I've I've personally, I've taken cans of Maui on the Inca Trail, and to Machu Picchu, I've taken cans of Dale Pelel to the top of Kilimanjaro. Do you guys get photos from fans?
2: We we definitely do.
1: (laughs) It's the Facebook posts.
2: It's insane how many people, like, it's... And it's cool because it's, I mean, people did it with the bottles too, but it was like, it was a chore for them to go through the process, which, which made it kind of cool. But, but with the cans, it's, you see, it, I mean, I can't tell you how many summits
0: the, our cans have been on. It's awesome yeah i I mean, just to echo that as well i mean it's uh it 's kind of amazing i mean uh, we 'll have people that will want us to like they 'll go hiking somewhere about top top of Whitney or something like that and uh, they'll, there's this, uh, there's this group of guys that do this every year they basically put they fill their backpacks up I and mean, they just hand out cans of beer all the way to the top and then and then they 'll take pictures once they get there it's it 's amazing i mean it 's it's kind of cool to see it really kind of uh, embraces kind of what we're all about in terms of uh, creating kind of this lifestyle package for people and an opportunity to try great beer and, and those types of experiences. So yeah, I'm trying to think about weirdest one I've ever seen. Um, uh, I can make something up right now, but I can't think about that. So. <laughs> well, let's go ahead with the next beer,
1: the Wide Rascal. So this is Ted's beer. Are you want to tell us a little bit about this next one?
3: This is all of our beer. It'll be yours soon enough.
1: Um, so White Rascal is a, a proper Belgian wit
3: beer. Uh, we make it with real Hugarten yeast. Um, we ferment it with, uh, well, after it's been spiced with curacao orange peel and fresh-milled coriander. Um, basically, we wanted to make an authentic Belgian-style wit. One of my favorite stories about Rascal it happened my first year at the brewery. Uh, This is about six years ago, we're standing at GABF, and this old, cranky Belgian cat comes walking down the aisle, and everyone just kind of gets hushed, like, there's this this aura of silence around him, and he walks up to our booth, and he demands a white rascal, and I was like, God, this guy's kind of a jerk, and he fills up his pint glass, which nobody has at GABF, and he takes a sip, and he goes, it's too spicy, and he finishes his pint, and he fills it up again, and everyone's like, oh my God, dude, that was so cool, I was like, what are you talking about, that was cool, like, I was a total, just, he, he was a pain, i like, dude, that was Pierre Sellis. Wow. So Pierre Sellis is the guy who, who revived the style Belgian vit beer. He started up Hoogarden. Uh, it's actually his yeast that we use to ferment this beer. And he gave us this massive endorsement by saying it's too spicy. It totally is. It, we just wanted to make it way more flavorful than you'd ever find in Europe, but still legit to the letter of the law in the town of Hoogarden. So he, here it is. Actually, if you look on the can label, uh, the graphic behind the Rascal Badge is the plaza in Brussels. So that's our little homage to Belgium. And then the actual uh, graphic, the, the, uh, the rascal, which we worked really hard to have it be looking really, really nice on the can, um, that's an old absinthe fairy. We just kind of flipped them around backwards and changed the color. It's ours now.
1: Yeah. Explain to us what that is.
3: Absinthe?
2: Fairy. The green oh. fairy. We actually yeah. have, that, we have that, that poster in our tasting room. Uh-huh.
4: <laughs>
3: Shh. <laughs> you mean the the total like group accepted art? It's all public yeah, domain yeah. now, I swear. <laughs> um, so hopefully you guys dig on it. What do you think of the flavor so far? Spicy.
4: It's too
3: spicy. <laughs> it's a great morning beer. It's a really fun beer to have in cans. It, um, it, you know, it's a carbohydrate special. Great after any kind of workout beer. Uh, we leave a lot of yeast and solution there. Get a little bit of protein, a lot of B vitamins, and a good amount of beer. Yeah, we thought it all out. Yeah, I mean, you can crack an egg in there if you really want, but you don't need to.
2: <laughs> I don't know how to follow that comment. Yeah.
4: Here you go, Bradley. i just <laughs> juggling.
2: Yeah, that's a good beer. This is actually we're 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 actually also a a distributor down in our neck of the woods. Uh, We're in the far southwestern corner of Colorado, and we distribute Avery's beers. And this is kind of one of those standby beers where the cases in the summertime. It's and it's interesting, like Sean was saying with with the watermelon beer, we've got this little corners of our of our cooler that are just stacked with the employee summertime beers and. And White Rascal's one of those where everyone, that's what everybody takes home and drinks all summer long that works at the brewery. It's awesome. Aww. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I love you, Ted. So do you guys have plans to put more brands in your cans, or are you going to keep it where it is? All
3: right, we'll do the whole panel. Yep. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'd actually like to start doing a lot more beers in cans. Uh, one of our first thoughts, um, do you guys know Dugana? Anybody? Just yeah. a show of hands. Yeah. It's our double IPA, great big. We've got this like, half-naked woman on the, t- on the, the label. Uh, she's gorgeous. Uh, the whole idea is great cans. Uh, but it's our double IPA. Uh, we want it to be about 16 ounces, uh, and we looked at, at having tall boys on our current canning line set up, and we had a really hard time transitioning between the two sizes. Uh, but that will be our first tall boy, and when we can dedicate an entire canning line to 16-ounce cans, we'll get that rolling. But it probably won't be until we're in our new facility. Uh, but yeah, we're we're dying to put more flavors in cans. We love how they transport. We love the quality of the beer inside of the package, and we're super excited to get more stuff out to you guys in cans.
1: Mm-hmm. No, no. How big is your new facility going to be?
3: Uh, Ninety-four thousand square feet. Nice. Yeah.
1: Brewing capacity is
3: going to be. Uh, when we walk in the doors, it'll be hundred thousand barrels, uh, and then we can expand up to three hundred and fifty before we have to change a thing. Wow. Right. Wow. I almost wow. stop sweating when I think about it. <laughs> Yes, yeah. um, It was really important to Adam that we stay in Boulder. Uh, We've always been part of an iconic town. Uh, Boulder's really important to us. So we found a a site about three and a half miles from our current brewery uh, that's actually
1: meant to be a brewery, and we're super excited about it. You guys going to be the first to put a sour beer in a can? No. (laughs) Well, maybe.
3: Has it happened yet? We never did it on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Dave um, we, we don't have any, any plans to put a sour beer in can, but there, there's a pH well I'm not sure we'd want to maybe like Red Bull cans maybe Minis, we talked about doing demons in cans at one point, we're like no man, because someone would shotgun a demon and it would be horrendous
4: <laughs> I'll call you the
1: day it happens Dave expanding your product line in more cans Thanks for the lob Bradley <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've actually,
2: we're coming out with a, a seasonal stout program, and coming out this fall on uh, each equinox or solstice, we're coming out with a new stout in a can, so seasonal stout, so we'll have an autumnal stout coming out in September, and uh, the first one is a mole stout, and it's actually got a milk stout base and uh, it's made with three different peppers, and cocoa nibs, and uh, a bunch of different spices. And so each, every three months, a new stout in a can, all black cans, all, and they're all, it's, it's pretty interesting, we're trying to, we tried to tie the idea of the beer with a, a, a different cultural aspect from someplace in the world, and, um, and the ingredients in there, and then they're all tied to food, and it's gonna be pretty interesting. So I'm not gonna reveal what the other three beers are, but no. No, but yeah, another big thing is it's it's, it's kinda like I am sick of getting my my uh my July issue of outside magazine in February and I and I don't like Christmas beers in September. So that's why that's why that's why we're coming out with the beer. During the equinox or the solstice, each time it's got a three months on the shelf, and that's it. So that's pretty exciting for us. I'm kind of excited about that. It's a whole new crazy program that um, we've been working on for the, this past year. Or so. So what are the to the comic books? Um, the characters from the comic books are in there, but uh, they're they're taking a new twist depending on what the culture is. So the first ones our pinstripe guy that that the CEO of the evil global beer. Uh, <laughs> Monopoly, uh, Rock Gutson and uh, the skeleton guy, but he's all decked out in Mayan, Mayan garb. So this first one. So yeah, and there's a bunch of ties, and there's little hints around the can to what everything means. So
4: it's a little puzzle.
2: You know, we keep talking about. We, <laughs> We keep talking, they're gonna be in all of our markets that we're currently in, and DC is definitely on the, uh, uh, if, if we do expand into a, a short list, and if we expand into more markets, so.
4: Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned something that, that I want to go back to, and you keep talking about how great it is for the consumer, like it's lighter, you can, oh it's fine, I can put here. Um, oh, okay. All right, so you, you keep mentioning something. Uh, hello, hello, okay, is right. this on, hello? Oh. Um, you keep mentioning something that I think is interesting, that uh, you know, it's easier for the consumer, like they can take it up to the top of 14 or whatever, but do you guys see a savings in like shipping costs? Because it's because cans are lighter, I mean, does it save you fuel, does it save you, I mean, is, it, is yeah. there a savings there?
0: Absolutely, um, we, uh, I'm assuming everybody here, uh, you can put about 110 cases on a pallet versus about 70 cases of glass. So we're able to put more, uh, more on there than uh, we would if we were using glass. Yeah, and then, so you see the savings in terms of transportation and also the handability. Uh, you know, you are not as apt to have as many maybe uh, issues with moving the glass around in the brewery uh, as you would maybe uh, with uh, that you wouldn't have with cans. So yeah, absolutely.
1: Sean, what about your brand portfolio? you gonna keep it the same, or you have anything in the future?
0: We're not doing anything different ever again. No. <laughs> Try just drink the watermelon, please, please. <laughs> my son needs to go to college. He's only nine. Um, you know, my son actually the other day said to me he prefers wine over beer, and I looked at him like, what? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we are. Uh, he uh, he. Uh, we we actually we have this series called the Insurrection Series, uh, and it's where we put four packs out of. Uh, it's an occasional series. You've maybe seen it. We're going to try one of those beers from the series called Monk's Blood. And uh, we've done a Hop Crisis, which is a double IPA. And uh, we have a new one coming out. Uh, we did. We actually did a collaboration, our first collaboration, with another brewery, uh, with Jamie Floyd from the Kassi Brewing Company called Allies Win the War. Uh, it was a beer, actually, it was based on sort of a couple of recipes that Jamie and I had brewed together, or independently, actually, when we were for Steelhead Brewing Company way back in the day, and then kind of had fun with it and added some dates from uh, California and some uh, hop bridal from uh, Oregon called Falconer or Flight. But anyway, uh, so we're doing, uh, we're sort of getting outside the box with uh, the, the next collaboration. We're doing uh, we're doing an oyster stout, actually. It's a beer that we've been brewing for a long time at the pub, and we're going to package it, and we're doing it with this company called Hog Island Oyster Company, which is up in the Tamales Bay Area, just north of uh, the Bay Area. It's a wonderful little place that has uh, makes amazing, amazing oysters. They bring in varietals from uh, France, and they've just kind of pushed the envelope in terms of uh supplying uh, the good food community with oysters. And so that is due to come out at the end of this year and that'll be in uh, the four packs that we have uh, and also on draft as well. And uh, the base beer is basically, it's a, somewhat of an oatmeal stout and then we uh, it started as a we did this a long time ago, we would make this this beer, we would just get these oysters we eat the meat, we reserve the brine as well as the shells and then we basically use those the shells and the brine in the boiling process. And the idea is that uh, both calcium and uh, uh, salt are necessary ingredients in the brewing process so you have the salinity from the the brine, and you have the calcium from the shells and those sort of they, they they will infuse into the beer the idea though, the real the thing about oyster stouts is that you don't want it to taste fishy, you just, you kind of want this sort of background, I and mean, that's why we eat the meat so when we make this beer and for a long time we would have these, uh, we would have these uh, shucking parties at the brewery and then uh, Hog Island was nice enough to open up a, a restaurant just down the street from us, and I would just take our five gallon buckets down there and they fill them up and we'd take them home, so it'd be a lot of fun so we'll see that in uh, December or January next year
1: so well, you got the microphone let 's move on to the next beer I believe it 's yours as well so Sean, I think this is your monk 's blood, correct
0: yeah that 's the monk 's blood that 's it there. No the other one says monk's blood yeah so this uh, so this beer that's coming out right now is called monk 's blood. this was a first of the Insurrection series that I was just talking about. It's a dark Belgian strong beer. It's around 9%, I think, um, alcohol. We uh, we actually brewed this beer as sort of a collaboration with Sean Paxton, the homebrew chef, if you know him, way back in the day. And then we went to Belgium actually, a few years ago uh, and took inspiration from uh, the brewers at Destroy in uh, West Flanders and kind of brewed a batch of it out there and kind of got their input on it. And then we brought it back here and we decided to uh, produce the beer uh, and sell it. Um, in the United States. Uh, This beer is a a dark Belgian strong beer. Uh, We use a lot of Belgian dark candy sugar in it. Uh, We use a little bit of cinnamon in the mash, which actually I don't think that comes through in the beer. It's mainly as an antioxidant. in the beer, and then we also we age on oak spirals, as well as uh, with vanilla beans and dried mission figs. So uh, it's, there's a lot going on in it. This is the second year we've brewed it. Uh, we, this past year, we're actually not doing it next year, so uh, we we sent out to kind of the media people two cans of it. And the idea is that you save one now, and you drink one now, and then you drink one next year when we're not making it, so. Um, It's been a very complex beer. The whole idea behind the Insurrection series is that we really wanted to showcase kind of what we're all doing with canned beer. Uh, We wanted to put something that you would normally never get in a can. Uh, and, and, and Buddhist beer and uh, it's, you definitely don't c- kind of what we were talking about earlier about where you, you know, you've got, you got some uh, aromas that go on when you drink out of the can where, and if you don't like drinking out of a can which you shouldn't be drinking a lot of these beers out of a can put in a glass I certainly wouldn't drink this beer out of a bottle I would put it in a glass like you're drinking right now so anyway Ben would you care if I start moderating
2: this panel now? <laughs> you go right ahead then
4: <laughs> So <young>. Sean <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's an interesting thing, because when you cellar beers, and this tastes like a very cellarable beer, uh, a lot of different changes take place, and I think a, f- a fair amount of that change could be due to some ultraviolet light, and, uh, and I'm curious if, if what you think about actually cellaring a canned, canned beer. <laughs>
0: I love you, Bradley. You know that—that's that, a good—that's a good question.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Dave.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I think that. Uh, I think that you—it's an issue because it never comes up because uh, this is, uh, this whole can uh, craft beer idea is really in its infancy right now, and I think that uh, it's, it will be interesting to see what happens, you know, with a beer like this or uh, Oscar Blues with their 1050, which is imperial stout, and other strong beers that are out there. Uh, you, you never know. I mean, honestly, I, I think that uh, I think my mind is telling me, mind is saying, Sean, it's going to be better because of the the light issues are not. You know, a pair with a can, and uh, uh, certainly the seals are tighter than you would have with, with a cap on a bottle, so I, I, I'm, I'm feeling good about it.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, have you guys got any
1: press strictly for your beers being in cans? Me? Yeah. No. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. Uh, well,
3: we're trying to think of something really cool. The Maxim... <laughs> yeah, <Save> nuts. <laughs> um, <laughs> like seriously, not not a whole lot. Uh, the press has kind of left the whole canned beer issue alone. Um, I shouldn't say entirely alone, but
2: yeah, I got nothing. It's it's actually the only press we get. <laughs> uh, we just got we were just listed as one of the ten best um, canned beers in. Outside Magazine, this current issue. Yeah, our, our, our true blonde. It's kind of a summery, light summer beer, but it's uh, and, and I think it's just because the can we've had cans on the market long enough, but we we definitely get a lot of attention, and, and and honestly, it's it just seems crazy to me, and I know that we're just totally engrossed in it, and so I I take it for granted sometimes that that people haven't known that there's been craft beers in cans for a while cuz that's the call we get is like oh my god you got craft beer in a can right. and uh, and it's it, you know it's been a while now and it's just all the media has just really kicked in like really this last year
0: yeah, I, I can't. I, I completely agree. I mean, we. I mean, that's, that's all we're doing. We're doing canned craft beers, so we. It completely. Uh, we've benefited from you have no idea. I think that, uh, and, and I think it's a novel idea. But I really think it comes back to the liquid inside. If you don't, if it doesn't, if you can't make great liquid, then the can is just a package. And they can't. In any type of marketing, you people get enticed by. The package, and then hopefully, and and they hopefully they come back for the liquid. We actually, I think we were uh, named in that same article, but I think they named monks' blood as being a really great summer beer, which is kind of. uh, (laughs) It was fun. Just, just as kind of an aside, uh, when we started canning our beer, what six years ago, whenever it was, I used to collect beer cans as a kid. You know, had this great beer can collection. And so once we started uh, selling our, our beer in cans, my parents shipped the entire collection up from their attic to my house that said, you can have this now. <laughs> so yeah, it all came full circle. Sean, where are you guys distributed? What states? We're, uh We're in in this market right here, which has been really great. I mean, honestly, I will say this to you, uh, that the DC market, uh, Baltimore area, is our second best market. Uh, next to our home market in the Bay Area. And so we're in about 16 states right now, uh, and we don't, ex- we don't plan to expand anytime soon because we're just trying to, we can't keep enough out there. Uh, and we're on a mail we're on Virgin America, uh, which, which is kind of a fun little thing, uh, story, I'll tell you sometime. <laughs> Richard Branson, stay. <laughs> you you kind of look like <laughs> you're
2: he does. He
4: does. <laughs>
3: Nobody tell them that that happened.
1: <laughs> so let's go ahead with the next beer.
3: I just going to talk about notice? just like the, the quality of the beer inside. I mean, that, that really is what it all what, what it's all about. The, the package is almost irrelevant. It's just the quality of the beer. That being oh, sorry to waste your time. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: I really think it is just like a real bottle. I think that uh, it was interesting when I think of the big breweries got involved in it, like New Belgium and Sierra Nevada, uh and I and was apparently is about to do it. I think that, I'm just gonna talk really loud. <laughs> that uh, I think that when, when you saw those breweries enter the marketplace, I think that you, you you're gonna see this package for a long time. So I am excited. I really am. Dave tell us a little bit about Modus
1: here. So this is our, basically has taken over as our
2: flagship since we came out with it in 2008. Um, American style IPA, pretty hoppy, uh, citrusy, piney hops in there, 6.8%. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty bitter beer, but it's got a lot of flavor for, um, for, and it, when we went out, this is this is kind of cool. I like to just tell this story because sorry. I like to tell this story because it, it, it's an homage to another Colorado brewer. But when we when we were trying to come up with a recipe for this beer, we bought every pale ale and every IPA we could find in Colorado, uh, not just from Colorado, but that we could find at all. And um, the whole brewery we did a we did a blind tasting, and unanimously, this is cool. 100% of our our brewers. Uh, 100% of our staff chose Odell's IPA as their favorite IPA, wow. which was super cool, and um, blind totally blind, yeah, and it was, and, and you're second, and it was, uh, sorry about that, you're, sure, sure. you're the first, hey, you're the first loser. Um... <laughs> No, but then and then we spent like another month sitting around talking about you know what did we like about it what do what do we want to do different and you know guessing on what their ingredients might be whatever it is and uh, and this is what we came up with and you know a big part of it was the color we wanted a nice orange hue to the beer and we wanted pine and citrus in there and when it when we actually brewed it. I was I was really, really nervous. It's the it's the first beer that we spent this much time and effort like thinking about. We usually just come up with something and throw it out there and that's what it is. And that's that's all there is to it. And this one we spent a lot of time on and I tasted it and I was just like, This is amazing. You know, it was it, it to me it, it just it hit the mark. In fact it was it was almost it was too hoppy for what I thought everybody was gonna be into and I was I was definitely wrong there. And now it's a third of everything we sell, and we always have at least twelve
1: beers in a package
2: at any given time.
1: So, have you guys come across any logistical challenges when you moved, when you decided to start canning? <laughs> Th- thanks for the in-depth answer. Appreciate that. One. <laughs> Rather not comment. Um, yes. <laughs>
3: Uh, the, dude, there's so many challenges. Cans are, are such a precision package. Uh, the seam is is like a masterpiece of engineering that I never had any respect for before. You know, you just drink out of the side and everything's fine. <laughs> but, but the actual seam and the, the way that it, it's basically a weld, it's a hermetic seal, and it, it's a perfect atmospheric block, and there, there's an incredible amount of engineering that goes in there. But the tolerance is... is you totally cool. took
0: mushrooms, didn't you? <laughs>
3: I love boomers. <laughs> We're going to hang out later. <laughs> Come on, San Francisco, let's party.
4: <laughs> Five
3: Colorado boys. <laughs> um, th- th- there's so much going on in that seal. I, I mean, the, the amount of precision that goes into to actually crimping that beer the right way it is astounding. It's, it's frustrating, and it pisses you off. But once you get it right, it's incredible, and it took us for god damn ever to figure it out. Um, but once we did, you know, it was really important to us that when we released cans, they'd be absolutely perfect when they got to the market. And boy, did we throw out a bunch of cans. Uh, it took us a long time to get everything dialed in. We actually had to reprogram our canning line. We hired a company to come in and redo all the software for us. Uh, And once that was done, we've been very, very happy with the the finished product. But in in the run up to that, we had to send guys to school in Chicago. And I mean, we we had to re-educate our staff. It it took a minute to to really get that dialed in. Uh, But we're very, very happy with the finished product now. So yes, it was a pain in the ass.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Those guys aren't here, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. But uh, like Ted was saying, talking about the seal, we had we have a, a $10,000 computer that just takes a picture of, you, you cut the, the seam on the side, and, the and it takes a picture. Yeah, well, <laughs> for, for the camera part. And, uh, and it takes a picture and you measure, it's such a precise measurement, and um, take a picture of it because it's, we had, and this happened to us a couple different times, the first time it happened, if they're gonna leak, you don't know it for a day or two. And um, as soon as the temperature changes or something, it starts leaking out of there. And I think it's something, honestly, I know we're kind of supposed to touch on the future of canning and stuff. And I think you know it's an accessible package for a lot of like smaller brew pubs and stuff to get into that can't afford quality control measures like that. And it's you might be doing stuff with your cans before you know what's happening. And I, the first time it happened to us, we shipped out like three pallets that we realized it was leaking, and I called Dale at Oscar Blues, and I was like, fuck, Dale. We just shipped three pallets of cans off, and it turns out they're leaking, and he's like, dude, we just dumped the whole fucking semi. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. Yeah, I didn't say that, but, <laughs> but it's true. And uh, yeah, I mean it, it's crazy. So it's um, the, the, the commitment to quality inside of the industry. It, it, it really is, and I, and I, I, for the sake of us all, I hope that all the the smaller brewers that get into it never take that for granted because it's it, it it's just so crucial, and you can't you just can't let that get out and into into the market because it's a PR. I mean. Thank God, like, the consumers that are into craft beers are understanding, and they know we're a fledgling industry, and we're growing, and there's challenges, and, and they're the same type of people as, as the brewers are, and they're passionate, and they get it, and as long as you handle it from a PR perspective in a, in a, in a friendly way, and you make it up to the consumer, then, then they're are always like, actually, they become more loyal than they already were, and thank freaking God that's the way everybody is, that's drinking craft beer, but, but it's, I hope it just never gets to a point where it's just, it's just shit going
0: on all over the place. <laughs> It's so true. I mean, we, we, we had a little two-head filler, and we had some other people operating one time, and I remember coming back from lunch one day, and the set screw, I mean, it, this on the seamer were rattling around, and literally, it, 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 there's a thread here that's that machine. It's the seamer. It just you get that thing, and you literally are like, what the hell is going on here? Because it, 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 I mean, to see, just have a seamer demonstration, but uh, to see what goes on here is just, it, it, and we would, we were, we would, we would, the same problem when we first started doing it, we would like we had leaky cans, and you'd sit there and they would float, and you had no idea what was kind of going on. It's, just, I mean, but you know, to the craft beer uh, enthusiast, I mean, they were they are forgiving. They they'll, they'll, they'll say, hey, I got you know a half empty you know can of beer from you, and, uh, and oh really, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. So uh, you know. Great. It's, it's great for that, but it, it definitely because of this, ha- this is in its infancy in a lot of ways. Those challenges are out there, and we all it's it, it incumbent upon us all to you know to stay vigilant and uh, you know make sure it happens. So. Alright, let's move on to our last
1: beer here. This is the Avery IPA. Tell us a little bit about this one, please, Ted.
0: This is my favorite
3: beer on Earth. (laughs) Um, I I actually never, ever name a favorite beer. That being said, like 70 pounds of the 140 pounds of aluminum in my recycling bin are this. Just saying that. Uh, We we made a really hoppy, very, very aggressive IPA in 1996. And here we are um, a bunch of years later. I can't even do the math right now, I'm so nervous. Thank you, Dave. Uh, 75 years later, taste this. We're very well established. Um, So so IPA has been around for a minute. Uh, It's been a very aggressive style. The first year that Adam made IPA, um, he put it out into Boulder in draft format. It was draft only. We had some bombers out there and they were hideous. The label was terrible. Adam was really, really young and he, he'll agree with me. He'll be so angry about it, but he'll agree. <laughs> it, mm, it was the best I could do. Uh, and he did. Uh, he put the beer out there and we actually had more return to the brewery than we actually sold that year. You're <laughs> like, this is undrinkably bitter. What'd you put in it? It just tastes like hops. And he was like, well, yeah, it's supposed to. It's an IPA. And I guess so what? Uh, and it went on and on. And uh, we just kind of stuck to our guns. We really, really love this very hoppy, aggressive, dry style of beer. And uh, we we made it work out. So we put it out in bottles. And it, it's been our flagship beer for about the last seven years now, which is really awesome. It's been our number one seller. We're huge fans of the style. Um, it's very important to to who we are as a brewery that it's aggressive. It, it's... It's very much in your face. It's, in my opinion, extremely well made. I have a lot of fun drinking it. Um, it blend to four different hops. We use uh, Northern California Brewer's East 1096 for all the nerds out in the crowd. Um, it, it ferments down to about two, 1056. Sorry. It's been a long week. <laughs> um, I ferments down to about 2.1 Play-Doh. It's extremely dry, but we really want to showcase the floral character of hops. It's not just about blowing out the back of your head with bitterness. It's about being able to taste the, the floral character of everything that's going on in there. Uh, so hopefully that comes across for you. What I was really excited about when we started canning um, is, is that the beer stays so much fresher in cans. And so like I said earlier, we do uh, hot box, and cold box tastes at 30, 60, 90, 120 days. And in every single taste, the IPA is fresher every single time in a blind taste test. We'll always pick this beer out uh, from a can because it's so much more intact than we see in our bottles. In our bottles, we're getting down to about 27 parts per billion dissolved oxygen, which is extremely low for the industry. And I, I don't want you guys are cool with that. Um, inside of our cans, uh, it's about.
2: saying we got high?
3: N- nothing, <laughs>
4: just,
3: <laughs> just saying, that's it. <laughs> Um, inside of our cans, we're about 25 parts per billion dissolved oxygen, which is way better than we ever thought we'd have. We're super excited about it. Uh, it should come across as very, very fresh beer for you guys, and I hope you dig on it.
1: Does anyone have any questions for these guys? I mean, cans
4: chill really fast.
1: We try not to talk about that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so you'll notice there's some
2: coozies on your table. Feel free to take those home.
3: (laughs) Very high thermal mass. (laughs) Well, it's actually something we deal with a lot. So, you were talking about uh, beer cans can can heat up very quickly, and and they really can. Uh, One thing we write into all of our contracts is that we have refrigerated transit and refrigerated storage at all of our distributors. That being said, there are a couple Whole Foods out there and a couple I shouldn't call out any retailers, sorry. Love you, Whole Foods. (laughs) You're the best. (laughs) There's nowhere else that I shop, I swear to God. Um, But there are a couple of people out there that will have warm beer on their floor. And it's something that's a big red flag for us. We really want to see that beer refrigerated all the time. Um, Even more than dissolved oxygen count, temperature has a huge role in how beer is stored. Um, If you can keep beer cold, it stays fresher for an incredible amount of time. So, yes, uh, beer in cans has a lower thermal mass. It'll heat up faster, but, but not so significantly that if beer is stored on a floor inside of a liquor store, uh, there's going to be a difference between glass and cans. Did I get it? Awesome.
1: Anyone else have a question? You guys kind of touched on it. What do you see with the future with cans? you think it's, it's going to take over the world or? Space beer. Space
0: beer. It is space beer. You no, know, I think that uh, it's uh, obviously you're seeing some of the bigger boys get involved in uh, in this segment, and I think that that's going to be the evolution. I think that you'll, uh, you more and more breweries are are doing this, and I think that uh, uh, I think the the biggest hiccup for a lot of the larger breweries to kind of get involved in this uh, package is the fact that they kind of because they've invested so much uh, capital and and time and energy into the the. the the glass lines the bottle lines so uh, I think the small you'll see more and more uh, smaller brewers getting into it you already I mean I talk to people you know every week about hey how do I how do I do this what do I do how do I make this work and all this so I think it's going to continue to grow I mean it would be nice right now I think it's kind of this it's like we're this year's model in some ways I think and, and which is kind of fun you know at the end of the day and I think that uh, again it's going to come back to the liquid in the package and I think that it'd be kind of a neat time when when glass and cans can come together, <laughs> and, and kind of just and, and you and you won't really ever think about it. Like we won't have this. This is great that we're doing this. Honestly, it's fantastic that you're you all here right now having this conversation with us. But I think that you know one day I just I hope I pray that it will be it won't be that uh, it won't be that big of a deal in a lot of ways. And I think that that's where we're hopefully where we're headed. It's kind of funny to think about that
2: because if you look at all the big brewers, you know they're just in every possible package, and we considered when we first got into cans and it took off really well, um, just switching entirely to cans. And why did you do that? I'll tell you. (laughs) It was me. (laughs) I I don't I have this I like bottles. Um, I like cans, honestly. Like it's 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 it's. I can't get away from them, and and honestly, we we've
0: done the the one beer that we do, um, brew and what? What's the paper in Denver right now? Denver Post. What is it? Yeah. I like bottles.
2: I'm kidding. Oh man. I do like bottles. No, I and mean, it's it, honestly it, it, it's a weird thing we have two well we have two beers that we do in both bottles and cans and I prefer the bottles with one of them the cans with the other one of them and uh
3: Talk about the pee mix between your bottles and cans on Modus. The I don't even think I've seen like a Modus bottle.
2: No, we did. We, we actually, when we came out with the Modus, we did it in bottles and cans. Right when it came out, and we only did it for three months, and we just went. It just the cans just blew it out of the water. I so know. we no longer, uh, we no longer sell it in, I can't in bottles. Get here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <I'm> just, <laughs> just I don't even remember where I was going to go with that.
0: I got nothing. No, the Modus was the first IPA I had in a can, and honestly, when we when we started putting our IPA in cans, I was like, dude, we we gotta. This is where this is like where it should be at. That's the level. So, God bless you. Yeah. I'll say Modus is the first
3: IPA I ever shotgunned, and it was awesome. You were actually there for it. I burped a lot. Painful. <laughs> it, it's very it.
4: well carbonated. <laughs> It was very cold. I have a crazy, like wacky, shroomy, out-of-the-box question, <laughs> which is: what, I'll be your huckleberry. What, what's 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 beyond the can? What's the perfect future of beer container? What's the next step? Oh, Nirvana, dude. <laughs> you know it's true. I'm curious, but like, what, what, what would the
3: beyond the can. Um, well. So much of the can for us was the, the portability of it, the, the ability to get craft beer out to where you are. So you know, for us, it was, it was running up the sides of Long's Peak at 5.30 in the morning to get up there by noon to crush an IPA six pack, to roll back down and hit the car by four. It, I, I don't know what's beyond that. Maybe like a ride back down Long's? That would be badass. It's
2: <laughs> such a long walk. <laughs> now, I think I have the answer. It's an aluminum can with a swirly neck. <laughs> So that, <laughs> I mean an aluminum bottle shaped can <laughs> with a swirly neck. <laughs> <the> <laughs> <laughs> All
4: right, this stuff goes down the gullet a little faster. <laughs>
2: That's uh, I think Oscar Brewers is getting into that, so you can reseal. Yeah, he was asking about a, um... The silicone lid? No, no.
4: Basically, it's works like the two cans where you pop it, the whole top. You pop the whole top off of the can. Yeah.
2: And I, I don't really know <laughs> exactly what's up with that. I know another, and there's another brewery that started that is doing a, uh, it's a flat top can that you open with a church key. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... Which is, I think, really cool. <laughs> yeah. um, and Oscar Blues has, I don't even know the dynamics of this, but they're about to come out with a can that's re- resealable. Not why you reseal a, a beer, I don't, I don't know. I, I drink one in 30 seconds. Like, don't don't bother resealing that, I'll, I'll drink it. <laughs> I
3: know that Oscar Blues is doing the, uh, the resealable bourbon can. But because you, you shouldn't drink 12 ounces of bourbon at once, I mean you can. I'm not going to stop you. But like, dude, get a ride. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. You know, like I said, it's the aperture that it's actually messing up the beer. So much of the flavor that we we experience in any craft beer is going to be through our noses, and if you can't smell the beer as you're bringing it into your mouth, you're going to lose a lot of that sensation of flavor. That being said, I'll drink out of a can any time if if I need to. Um, but I'd much rather drink out of a glass. <laughs> I'll still shotgun an IPA. I'd love it. <laughs> you can taste it on the burp. It'll be there.
1: It's, it's always
4: there. Yeah. It's a more morning. Yeah. It'll always
3: be there. <laughs> all
1: right, you guys. It's I think there. that's all we have time for this evening. But thank oh, you for I coming. And thank okay. you to our yeah. panelists.
0: Thank you for listening to the Saver Salon. Craft Beer Radio is a mostly weekly beer podcast where we attempt to educate and entertain. If you haven't heard our podcast, we invite you to find us in iTunes or go to our website, craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Please visit craftbeerradio.com for more information.